Today's gospel lesson is found in John, the sixth chapter, beginning with the 22nd verse. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there, and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum, seeking Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do? that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Heavenly Father, today we come before your word, and uh, Lord, I pray that today you would teach us about your will, your will for our lives, and teach us, Heavenly Father, what it means to pray, thy will be done. And Lord, we do ask that today, that your will would be done among us. We know, Heavenly Father, that you will accomplish and you will do that which you desire even without our prayer. But Lord, we want your will to be done among us, that we would believe in Jesus and that we would follow him. Heavenly Father, I plead and I ask that you would do that for us now. And so, Heavenly Father, give us ears to hear. Give us ears to hear your word, that it may pass from the ear to the heart and then from the heart into the way we live our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated today. 
Once again, it's good to be with each and every one of you here today in God's house to share with you his word. We know that his word is true, and we know that his word reveals to us his will, his will. We cannot pray, thy will be done. And uh, we cannot truly pray that with, with a true desire of the heart, thy will be done, unless we're in his word, right? So his word really does reveal his will to us. Now, it's a good thing to know the will of certain people, right? Uh, if you're a child, if you're a kid, it's good to know what your parents want, right? It goes much easier. It goes much easier if you simply trust and obey your parents, right? How many of you remember as, as a kid when you, when you failed to trust your parents or to obey your parents? Now, another person I've learned, I need to know this person's will, that's my wife. I've learned that if I know the will of my wife, things go much easier for me. And I haven't figured out everything. I haven't figured everything out. I've been married to her for over 10 years, and I still have a lot to learn. But I've learned this one thing, that my wife always desires a coffee. I don't know if there's ever been a time when she hasn't wanted me to go, when I've offered to go to Starbucks or to some other coffee stand, and to pick her up coffee and to bring it home for her, because she's always happy when I do that for her. So we need to know the will of certain people because when we know the will of certain people, it goes better for us, right? When we know the will of, of the law of the land, for instance, we know that it's the will of, of uh, our civil society that we do not drive 100 miles an hour down Highway 99 or I-5, things will go much better for us and for other people. So we need to know the will of certain people within our lives and of civil society. But we also desire to know what God's will is. What is God's will? Well, I know that God's will is revealed to us very clearly today in our gospel lesson, in the last verses of our gospel lesson today. Verses 39 and 40, and this is the will of him who sent me that I should lose nothing of all that has been given to me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. If anybody ever asks you, what is God's will? What is God's will? You can point to John chapter 6, verses 39 and 40. It, God's will is for our salvation that we would know Jesus, and then that we would be raised up on the last day, that we would be caught up in the resurrection of Jesus Christ when Jesus comes again to judge the living and the dead. So the will of God is our salvation and ultimately our resurrection at the last day. But as I was studying the will of God, for some reason I was, I was turned to the prophet Hosea. I was turned to the prophet Hosea because I believe that Hosea encapsulates God and his good and gracious will for us and then our reaction or the way we live our lives even when he comes to us in his grace, in his mercy. In the Bible, there's a true account of a priest. And this priest was told by God to marry a prostitute and to have children with her. Many of you know this account from the Bible. It's contained in the book of the prophet Hosea. 
And God used this marriage between Hosea and the prostitute who became his wife, Gomer. Yes, there is a woman in the Bible named Gomer. That's usually where the youth group begins to laugh. So Hosea uh, goes and marries this prostitute named Gomer. And God used this, this, this marriage between Hosea and Gomer to illustrate his faithfulness towards us. God goes to the, to the woman of unfaithfulness and gives her a husband. We are the unfaithful. We are the unfaithful. But God has married himself to us. He has married himself to us. He has committed himself to you, though you are unfaithful. As the account of Hosea and Gomer progressed, we learned that Gomer went back to her old ways. She was lured back into a lifestyle of prostitution. For whatever reason, she had convinced herself in her own mind that to be a slave to sin was better than to remain in a commitment of love and fidelity with her husband. And then in chapter 3 of Hosea, something incredible happened. Hosea went back to Gomer, and he took her to be his wife again. Here she is, completely and totally unfaithful. Goes back to her old ways. But Hosea goes back and takes her once again to be his wife. This account from Hosea illustrates for us the grace of God towards us because we are continually unfaithful to God. It is his will for us to believe in him, to trust him, and to remain faithful to him. But so often in life, we veer off the path and we, we don't trust God. And we live an unfaithful life before him. And this really is, is the story throughout the entire Bible. Throughout the Bible, we read of God's chosen people. Those people whom God had chosen to marry himself to, continually going back to a life of unfaithfulness. Yet God, throughout the entire account of Scripture, continually remains faithful to the unfaithful. And that's who God is. He is the God who remains faithful to the unfaithful. And we are the unfaithful. And God has remained faithful to us. He has remained faithful to you. He remained faithful and he proved his faithfulness towards us by sending Jesus to rescue us from our sin and to give us eternal life. In this, the will of God is made known to us. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life that I will raise him up on the last day. That is the will of God. 
1 Timothy 2.4 teaches us that God desires for all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. So what is the will of God for your life? The will of God for your life is revealed throughout the pages of the Bible. To know God's will for you is to open the scriptures, to read the scriptures, to trust the scriptures, and to obey the scriptures. And what is the Bible? The Bible is the account of God's saving activity among humanity. Throughout all of the scripture, we see God's faithfulness. They fall away, they sin, and God comes back and he restores them again. He sends them another prophet, yet they fall away, and then he sends them yet another prophet. And eventually he sent them the final prophet, the prophet, the priest, and the king, Jesus Christ, who laid his life down upon the cross. So we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done. Lord, we pray that your will would be done among us, that you would accomplish your plans and your purposes in our lives and in the lives of our congregation and of our community. And what does it mean for God's will to be done among us? We believe God's will is done when people are saved and live in obedience to him. But you know how this plays out in our lives. There are so many things that draw us away from God. There are mistresses tempting us, tempting us back into our old ways, tempting us into unfaithfulness. Who were the mistresses of, of the Old Testament saints? Who were the mistresses of Israel and Judah? Do you know who their mistresses were? Idols, the Baals, the Ashtoreths, these false gods, these images made with stone or with metal or wood. They were the mistresses of the saints of the Old Testament. To go and worship an idol was like cheating on a spouse. God's people continued to seek after these false gods, but God continued to pursue the unfaithful. Nothing has changed. We still run after idols. Did you know that, that idol worship has not been annihilated among us even as Christians? We still have idols today. There are still our false gods and false deities that we run after. Did you know that, that your idol is that thing in your life that is more important to you than God? That thing in your life which you devote time and attention towards, that thing that you love more than God, for you that is your idol. Amen. That is your idol. Your idol is that which you love, trust, and obey. Even those of us who have been joined to God through faith in Jesus Christ, even those of us who have been joined to Christ in his death and in his resurrection. Can you just even begin to fathom the grace and the mercy of Jesus Christ that has been bestowed upon you? We cannot even come to, to fathom how great and how amazing his love and his grace towards us really is. 
Yet even after receiving such a great gift from him, we continued to go back and to chase after false gods. You want to know who's tempting us away from faithfulness to God? Who's tempting us away from God? Who's tempting us into unfaithfulness in our spiritual lives? Who is the one who is tempting us? Well, the Bible reveals to us the unholy three. How many of you here have heard of the unholy three? The unholy three tempt us every day. The devil, the world, and our sinful nature. So let's go through these three. First, the devil. 1 Peter 5, 8 says this. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. I am. <laughs> Amen. Amen. In the same way, Satan lied and tempted Adam and Eve, so he does today. Satan, you see, Satan desires to undo the will of God in our lives. He doesn't want us to believe, nor does he want us to live godly lives. He's crafty. He's crafty in his ways. Did you know that he can devise appealing arguments? That he can, he can devise the, these, these ways of convincing us in our mind that this is true or that is true, which ultimately leads us to unbelief and sin, which will ultimately destroy us? He's crafty. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So the first of the unholy three is the devil. Then we have the world. The world. 1 John 2, 15 through 17 says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. For if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And after all... After all, listen to this, John 2, 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. So we live in this world in which we're constantly tempted by all these different things. And we think that if I, if I could only have this or if I could only have that, and these become idols for us. There, many of these things are not bad in and of themselves. Don't get me wrong. There are a lot of good things in this world. There are a lot of beautiful things in this world. But if these things become more important to you than your relationship with God, then they become for you idols. And then finally, our sinful nature. We all know this. I love Paul in Romans chapter 7, verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh or in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is right. And you know that you have the desire to do what's right. 
Isn't that right? Each and every one of us, we want to get up and we want to do that which is right and good. But then Paul says, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Can you identify with that? How many of you can say, yeah, that's me. That's me. The good I want to do, I don't do. And the bad things I don't want to do, I end up doing them time and time again. So we have the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. The unholy three working against God's will. The unholy three, they don't want you to believe or to obey. So we're in warfare. We're in warfare. But we have been given mighty weapons. We've been given mighty weapons in our warfare. We've been given the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit. And we've been given this gift of prayer. His word which reveals his will. And prayer through which God promises to work on our behalf. Church, utilize these gifts of the word and prayer. What does Jesus say about prayer? John 14, 13 through 14. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Prayer is powerful. And I think that we have begun to miss the power of prayer. We have forgotten that prayer works and that God moves on our behalf when we pray. Prayer is powerful. Especially when we pray, thy will be done. God, your will be done. I don't want my will done. I don't want what I desire. I want what you want for me. So we pray thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Martin Luther wrote this about the third petition. The good and gracious will of God is done even without our prayer, but we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. So God is going to get his work done even if we don't pray. But we pray in this petition that it would be done among us. We don't want to miss out on God's will being accomplished in our lives. So then the catechism asks this, how is God's will done? Well, Luther wrote, God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every plan and purpose of the devil, of the world and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow or to glorify God's name or to let his kingdom come. And when he strengthens us and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die. This is his good and gracious man will. I met with a man who was dying. He told me during the last days of his life that for him everything boiled down to praying, thy will be done. Thy will be done. He wasn't angry with God because he was dying. He was thankful to God. Now some would have said he had a right to be angry with God. He had every right to be angry with God. 
He had already buried his first wife when they were a younger couple. His wife got sick and died, but through all of that, he never, he never fell away. He had his questions. He had his doubts. He struggled. But he remained faithful to God because God proved himself faithful to him. He trusted in the Lord, and the Lord brought him another wife. He wanted more years with this new wife. He wanted to go on more trips. He wanted to see more things. He wanted more opportunities to celebrate and enjoy life with his friends. But he knew that God, God ultimately, is in control. God ultimately is in control. He confessed his faith in Jesus. He confessed his faith in Jesus. He was faithful to God. He was faithful to God because God proved his faithfulness to him time and again. And he knew that his heavenly father's will was best. He knew that God would take care of his wife. He trusted in God's will. And you know what that brought to him? What I noticed as I, I spent time with this man is he had deep peace and he had joy. And he died. And he's with Jesus. God is taking care of his wife even today. Another family suffered great loss when their eight-month-old son passed away. I was there in the hospital at Buffalo Children's Hospital as Jackson died in his mother's arms. Can't imagine. Can't imagine. I was there with the family when we buried him. Unbelievable pain and grief. You know what? Through the pain and through the grief, God was faithful to mom and dad. And mom and dad today are pillars of that congregation in western New York. And during the whole thing, you know what they would do when they went on to Facebook? They would go on to Facebook and they would talk about the faithfulness of Jesus Christ in the midst of their grief. And in church, they would confess their faith in Jesus Christ and of his goodness, and of his faithfulness. Will we always understand the will of God? No, we're not going to understand the details. I think that if God revealed the details of his will to us, our brains would probably explode. Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. There is no way for us to ever, with our, with our puny brains, to begin to comprehend what God's will is in every detail, in every tragedy, in every difficulty of life. But he's revealed the part of his will to us which we need to know. And that will is that we would be saved that we would know and follow Jesus, and that we would be resurrected at the last day, that suffering and death and heartache and pain do not have the final say. Jesus has the final say. Jesus won the victory for us. In this world broken by sin, 
in this world infested with death. We don't have all the answers, but we do have the Savior. We have Jesus who promised to remain faithful unto the end of the age. And that he will come again. He will obliterate pain and suffering. He promises to you a new heaven and a new earth. He promises the resurrection of our mortal flesh to live eternally with him in glory. So today we can't figure it all out. There's no way for us to understand everything. But we can pray this, thy will be done. And when we rest everything in the arms of this faithful God, we can have peace and we can even have joy because we know that his will is perfect and his will is good. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We do thank you and we do praise you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that your will is always accomplished. And that your will is always good, even though we can't understand it, even though it causes us to doubt, even though we're filled with tears. We trust in you. Where else will we go? To whom will we turn? We turn to you, Jesus. We stick with you. So Lord Jesus, give us faith to believe and to trust in you and of what you have done in your death and resurrection. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.